What's up, freaks, and welcome to another exciting episode of Freaky Flicks. This is your host and your pal, Jesse Drachman, bringing you another, hmm, diamond in the rough, perhaps? I think so. This is a good one. This week, we're talking about the 1984 Stephen King classic, Silver Bullet, starring Gary Busey. Corey Haim, Everett McGill, and Terry O'Quinn. It's a freaking rad movie. If you haven't seen it, look it up. I'll uh, have a link to the trailer in the description, of course. And uh, let's uh, get into this one. Freaky Flicks. So in 1984... The movie Silver Bullet comes out, and uh, it's quite a surprisingly killer film, despite its lackluster performance at the box office, um, which uh, is in part mostly to mediocre marketing. Apparently, that's yeah, that's the gist of uh, you know what many say about the film. The film is actually the ninth Stephen King film adaptation released in the 80s. Um, He just pumped out a bunch of killer films in the 80s. Um, It seemed to be the thing, you know, horror was doing big business in the 80s and Stephen King's uh, film adaptations were right up there in the thick of it all. Now, with this film, it's uh, based on... Stephen King's 1983 book, Cycle of the Werewolf. And whilst I confess I haven't read the book yet, uh, I very much plan to, but uh, it's apparently uh, a short story um, and the story on which this film is based. The events take place over the course of a year, uh, which a murder was committed by the werewolf once a month. In the film, the murders occurred over the course of several months from spring to autumn. Not that that means much to you because uh, you got to see the film, right? Uh, now, I won't. I promise I won't give away too much about the film, uh, much as I'd love to talk about the film. And I will. I will talk about the film. But I'll do it with respect and without giving away too much detail. For me, Silver Bullet is an absolute gem. It's, you know, one of those 80s werewolf films that came out around a time where there was actually quite a few uh, werewolf films coming out. Like, think about it. There was uh, The Howling, American Werewolf in London, Full Moon High, The Company of Wolves, Howling 2, Howling 3, Teen Wolf 2, Teen Wolf. Uh, The list goes on. And werewolf films were a big business in the 80s. Um, For me, I think Silver Bullet is up there in the echelons of great werewolf films. It's just captivating from start to uh, finish. It's a movie that whilst released in 84 is actually set in the year 1976. And... You know, what's interesting about Stephen King movies, uh, if you haven't seen any of his film adaptations, I highly recommend it. Um, you know, a, a, quite a few of you have probably seen 
the it re-releases um or the remake sorry with the sequel but um you know i'm still a huge fan of the original uh tv movie and um yeah silver bullet is one of his um for, for me personally i think it's one of his standout films it's a, a great film uh just a really cool uh, body of work that that captures that spirit of small town America uh, that quite a lot of his films are really based around. It's kind of interesting with Stephen King films because the Stephen King universe is really uh, portrayed well throughout his films, and the way that they intertwine and connect together in some shape or form it really makes it interesting viewing. So if you haven't seen many films. Uh, with Stephen King's name attached to it, I highly recommend it. There's quite a few. I've seen most of them, and I've enjoyed pretty much all of them, actually. But um, this is definitely one of my favorite ones. Um, it's just a great werewolf film, to be honest, man. It's uh, I'm pretty sure it's actually the only werewolf film that Stephen King did. Um, and I really want to read that book, Cycle of Werewolves, uh, Cycle of the Werewolf. It's uh, they're just... Oh, man, it just sounds like a really cool story. And having enjoyed the film the way I did, it just uh, makes it all more appealing for me to uh, want to see the uh, read the book. So, anywho, um, so yeah, let's talk about this werewolf. Quite interesting because in the film, there's a couple of things that I can talk about without giving too much away. Excuse me while I have a beverage gotta keep the fluids up now when they started filming this movie apparently they started the film without a proper werewolf suit which is quite strange because you know when they make these kind of films there's usually you know the costuming and all that sort of pre-organized and in this case it wasn't actually ready when they started filming um I'm sure that it came shortly after because it's quite interesting the way that the werewolf is built up throughout the story. Um, Again, you know, I give away too much detail, but, you know, just a lot of the classic formula that is um, used in this film is um, used quite well. And, you know, just the stalking through the bushes the close-up of the eyes, um, the snarl, and right through to the, even the transformation sequence of the werewolf itself, um, without giving away too much, is freaking awesome. Uh, you know, just, just watching very impressive, um, special effects makeup used. I was completely, um, pleasantly surprised, to be honest. Now, one of the um, interesting um, sequences in the film, there is a werewolf dream sequence. And it's not the first time in a film that this sort of sequence has been used before to, um, you know, show off the, I guess, the nightmare of a person that's in the transition of becoming a werewolf. Um, The dream sequence that uh that i'm talking about there's is, is a really cool scene in the movie where um a lot of people are you know turn into werewolves 
in this dream sequence. And in this sequence itself, there was a total of about 70 extras that were divided up into four groups with various levels of makeup and costume, which ranged from approximately uh, 10 principal actors, mostly used for the close-ups and the action shots, um, that had the most refined looks. And you see a lot of this in a lot of film today, like, you know, even with uh, TV series like The Walking Dead, you know, where you see uh, what I like to call the primary zombies up the front of the, you know, the camera shots uh, to show you know, all the detail, um, the really cool, gory detail effects of the makeup. And then if you carefully watch, you know, in the distance uh, further behind, you'll see other zombies that don't quite look as detailed and prominent as the primary zombies. So uh, in this case, um, this was such with the werewolves in this particular dream sequence. So there was, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the extras were just made uh, to appear menacing to fill up the rest of the church to give it a full house appearance uh, which I thought was very cleverly done the complete construction of the werewolf costume took about three months um, with after the finalization of the shape and design um, they were using apparently three-dimensional clay heads the entire costume was made of foam and polyurethane and covered with actual bare hair which is really cool because I've always been intrigued about, you know, what is used for the fur of the werewolves. Um, I'd love to know more about this and perhaps this is a conversation at a later point that I'll have with um, people like uh, my good man Chad Atkinson, special effects gore master. Um, Just putting it out there. Hi, Chad, by the way. (laughs) And shout out to Sushi Studios. So, um, yeah, so bear hair being used in a werewolf costume, I thought, very clever. The head of the costume was mechanically operated by six people from a distance of up to 30 feet away, uh, which you have to see the movie itself. It's really, uh, I was completely impressed with how they did the werewolf sequence, um, all the sequences with the werewolf are really well done. Just the, the close-ups, the stalking shots through the bushes, uh, the attack scenes, and right up to the, the big reveal of the werewolf itself uh, was really well done. I was very impressed. And, you know, as a, as a werewolf connoisseur, I was very happy with it. Um, and, of course, you know, let's talk about the, the silver bullet itself. Um, yeah, obviously... It's traditionally known that uh, a silver bullet is what is used to uh, to kill a werewolf. Um, so apparently that you cannot use conventional bullets, it has to be a silver bullet. There is reason behind this. And in doing a little bit of research into this, uh, our pr- principal characters of the film, Marty and Jane, Marty is played by Corey Haim, uh, in one of his first film roles too, go figure. Uh, Corey Haim, you know, obviously well, well loved uh, 80s teen heartthrob. Um, sadly, no longer with us, but you may know him from that other great horror film, The Lost Boys. 
And in this film is one of his first starring roles uh, where he stars alongside Gary Busey and plays a, a kid named Marty who uh, is in a wheelchair and the wheelchair is aptly named the Silver Bullet. Um, Gary Busey plays his uncle and who builds him a very cool uh, updated wheelchair later on in the film that's um, gasoline powered and uh, you know it's got quite a bit of kick to it and it's a, it's a very impressive uh, piece of machinery and it's for me it's it's one of the things that I most remember about the film when I first saw it as a kid uh, I just remember that wheelchair just thinking man that is the coolest wheelchair ever but um, seeing it again in you know, in recent times, just really brought back a lot of fond memories for me. But, um, you know, let's talk about the silver bullet itself. Um, I, I would love to, I, I, uh, a bit of speech impediment there. I unfortunately don't know too much about the actual construction of the wheelchair itself, but it was a, you know, basically a, uh, stock standard wheelchair, but fitted with just some really cool props and, um, bits and pieces to make a look you know like a engine of you know mass power uh so obviously a lot of really cool camera work utilized to make it look like it traveled faster than you know what it actually did but saying that with the silver bullet that they have to use to kill the werewolf uh let's get back to the the whole concept of it because in the film without giving too much away marty and jane uh, they give up a silver medallion and cross to their uncle to get them made into a silver bullet. And this, uh, in reading, is actually a subtle reference to the story of the Beast of Jevaldan. Uh, I hope I pronounced that right. And it's um, probably the most famous werewolf story in history and the origin of the silver bullet myth. In the story, a werewolf rampaged through the French countryside for about three years uh, in and around a town called Gavordian. Uh, according to the story, after the beast killed the wife and child of a local hunter by the name of Jean Chastel, he had his cross, which was a family heirloom, made into a silver bullet and made the local priest bless it three times. Uh, Therefore, because of its popularity, uh, this story found its way into many works of fiction regarding werewolves, and which obviously then translated through into film. Which, uh, you know, in reading about that, was I found that to be quite an interesting point, because um, I always wondered about the whole silver bullet thing. I just, you know, wondered where that came from. So to get that little piece of trivia was, I don't know, just really cool. Adds a little extra, extra something to the... Uh, the whole thing uh so another thing about the the film and the werewolf itself was in early drafts of the film script um it states that the werewolf actually speaks which uh in the film itself the werewolf doesn't speak at all uh i'm glad that this happens because i don't know about you guys but i hate to think that a werewolf speaks um i just i don't know there's a certain canine ferocity to a werewolf that uh, speaking just doesn't really quite fit with it. So, yeah, go figure. But um, 
I, I really enjoyed this film. I think if you haven't seen Silver Bullet, I would be most, um, I don't know, most confident in saying you wouldn't be disappointed if you saw it. Um, it's, as I said earlier, it's just a great, great film set in small town America. You know, it's, um, I mean, look, it's, it's set in a town called Tucker's Mills, um, where the, a lot of the action takes place. And it's a fictional town within the Stephen King universe, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, a lot of his films, um, which he's made nine in the 80s, uh, it's it's spread out within the Stephen King universe. So it borders locations of other King uh, films or books that uh, have also been adapted to film, um, such as Chester's Mill, which was um, from the film Under the Dome from 2013, uh, The Town of Derry from It, and of course Castle Rock uh, from Needful Things in 1993, and of course the Castle Rock TV series. Uh, also Cujo from 1983, uh, the 1989 Smash It, Pet Cemetery, among others. There's even a little um, mention of the Cemetery Harmony Hill, which is another tie into another Stephen King story that I absolutely love, Salem's Lot, uh, which if you haven't seen that, please, please, please check it out. I'll talk about that at another episode, I promise. But this film, um, if I was Stephen King, I'd be pretty chuffed with this one. Um, I really want to read Cycle of the Werewolf. But this um, this film is apparently the only or the first and only film directed by the director Daniel Atias. I hope that's how you pronounce his name, because for the rest of the eighties uh, through till modern day, he's only really mostly directed TV episodes for some some of the more famous TV shows, and really hasn't made a theatrical film since Silver Bullet, which is quite interesting because I thought. It was a beautifully shot film, um, great cast, uh, great script, just it ticked a lot of boxes for a well-enjoyed film. Uh, it, it's not one of the, you know, grotesquely gory of the um, werewolf films that I've seen. It's got an impressive body count of nine bodies, uh, which is pretty cool. The gore level in it is, um, I find it to be quite nice. I was very happy with it. And, uh, yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite an interesting film, man. Like, it, you know, another thing about, you know, with Stephen King, I don't know too much about his involvement with films. I know he's a consultant for the most part. So he doesn't really clash too heavily with the directors and um, the writers. But I know specifically in just reading some of the notes about this film, uh, Stephen King asked specifically for the werewolf in this film to be plain because around that time period with films, you know, look, look you know, great films like The Howling and American Werewolf in London and the such, you see these gargantuan um you know, hairy behemoth werewolves in the films where in this film, Stephen King wanted to be a bit more plain, 
you know, a bit more harder to see. So you wanted a bit more sort of suspense with the creature rather than just a obvious plop, there it is, uh, thanks for coming. You know, he wanted to really build up the tone and suspense throughout the film, which I think um, between him and Daniel Atias, they accomplished that quite well. Um, Dino De Laurentiis uh, is also connected with the film as well, who who we all know and love from the Back to the Future franchise, um, amongst others. And, yeah, uh, sorry, I think, yeah, th- th- and this, this is the 10th Stephen King adaptation. Sorry, I hope I got that right. Another um, interesting actor in this film is Terry O'Quinn, who plays the town sheriff. And... Um, it's the first horror film that he starred in, but the other two that he starred in are f- um, from the 80s as well, called The Stepfather 1 and 2. If you haven't seen The Stepfather, check it out. I may do an episode about The Stepfather. I love doing the show just because I get to an excuse to go back and revisit some of my favorite horror films growing up. It's so cool. So, um, yeah, so w- what's interesting about this film also is that, as I said earlier, it does... Even though it was filmed in the 80s and released in 1984, the film actually takes place in 1976, which is the same year that another Stephen King film adaptation was released with Carrie. Um, And if you haven't seen Carrie, dude, what are you doing? Check it out. Seriously, do it. Do it. Do it. You won't be disappointed. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, anyway. Um, And the film... Uh, another thing about the the release of Stephen King's Silver Bullet, that same year, he had another film released with Cat's Eye, uh, which is, I haven't seen that film for ages, but it's a great film. Uh, it's, man, you, you really got to love Stephen King, man. If you haven't read the Stephen King books, like seriously, I know we live in a day and age where, you know, people just, don't read as much as they should uh and for whatever reason but man seriously you're missing out the what i love about stephen king is his ability to take the you on a journey through his words and he can take you to these beautiful small towns and and just build this incredible story for you and i don't know i find that a lot of his um adaptations have been masterfully um put together well so yeah i mean that that, that's just my opinion anyway but uh you know look everyone's their own critique so yeah look i mean definitely give stephen king's silver bullet a crack i think it's definitely one of the better werewolf films that i've seen and i've seen quite a few of them and um you know, it's just a great film to watch of a different time period, uh, small town America, Corey Haim in one of his first roles. I really enjoyed Gary Busey in the film. He's just such a great actor. Um, I, I'm i yet to really be disappointed with a Gary Busey performance in a film, let alone a, a movie that Gary Busey has been in. So um, it, it's really cool that, uh, you know, this little film that really um, received bugger all marketing 
turned out to be such a a little cult hit um it's it's beautiful man it's it's a great one i loved it the coslo residence um marty coslo played by Corey haim and his family their the house they live in uh in the film is actually a real house um in wilmington north carolina so a lot of the interior shots were set on a sound stage but the um yeah the house itself was you know a lot of the you know the outdoor shots was all filmed in north carolina apparently so yeah a bit of geographical trivia there for you as well another thing that was interesting about that house is um and and i'm finding a lot about this more and more lately that house was actually relocated in the 90s to make way for a massive shopping center and if i can divert real quickly there was another famous house that was moved uh, i couldn't tell you when but the michael myers house from halloween the original halloween was relocated as well um because you know people didn't want to see it demolished because it's you know it's kind of a iconic piece of um visual so yeah it's, I, I, I don't know i don't know about you guys but I, I just find it incredibly interesting this sort of stuff it's um it's fascinating but um look silver bullet great film uh great cast as i said gary Busey, standout performance i really really enjoyed that Corey haim fantastic everett mcgill also stars in it has the reverend um who's also in another cool creepy horror film that i enjoyed from the 90s called the people under the stairs he's been in a bunch of other stuff but um yeah he plays the uh the 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 town reverend um and quite a cool role actually and he drives a very cool car um there's some cool cars in this film actually so definitely check it out but um yeah what what i enjoyed also was that um the reverend's car is a 1976 chevrolet chevelle malibu classic i'm not really a car connoisseur but i'll tell you what these kind of films you have to appreciate those little things so the film itself had a budget of seven million dollars uh, which it initially made $4 million upon its release. Uh, it eventually would earn over $12 million at the box office. Pretty good effort, man, for a film that, um, again, you know, had bugger all marketing behind it. The werewolf uh, in closing is very, um, very compelling. I, I was very happy with the transformation sequence that you will see later on in the film overall i was very happy with just the tone of the film the flow of it uh it didn't die anywhere throughout the film you know a lot of movies tend to hit dead spots through throughout the film but this one just kept the pace rolling at a nice smooth country bumpkin pace and uh the finale was just fantastic um it was it's a great film check it out stephen king's silver bullet um if you haven't seen it do it i couldn't recommend it enough it's um definitely one of my favorite stephen king adaptations and uh yeah do yourself a favor and check it out till next time my 
freaky friends. This has been Jesse Drachman. Thank you once again for tuning in to another exciting episode of Freaky Flicks. It's an absolute joy to bring you this new podcast. And I hope that you'll stay on this journey with me. I have a lot of fun making this. And I appreciate any and all support that you give me, whether it's listening to the show, subscribing, liking, leaving a review, any of those multitude of things that um, the cool kids do today. Um, With this show, this podcast is available on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and copy RSS. So there you go. There's a few options there for you to play with. Whatever platform you listen to, uh, definitely, if you can, subscribe, fantastic. If you can like the episode, fantastic. If you can leave a review and a rating, even more fantastic. If you can share the link to your friends and family, even better. Uh, We'll be exploring more horror films very soon uh and i hope you enjoyed last week's interview with john devoy for the queen of the dam film that was a lot of fun we'll definitely be doing more interviews in the near future but um man just i just want to say thank you once again to everyone that tunes in and listens to this podcast i have a great time doing it and um i'll definitely try and keep it as interesting as possible for you guys and uh As I said earlier in the episode, there will be a trailer available for the Silver Bullet uh, film for you to check out and uh, definitely look it up, man. It's it's a great film. I had a great time and uh, I had a great time bringing you this episode. So thanks for tuning in. Stay freaky, my friends. I've been Jesse. You've been amazing. (laughs) 